Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. What up, fintech fam? Nicole here, and welcome to another episode of Humans of Fintech. In this episode, I sit down with Alison Stalick, the new Chief Financial Officer at Fundrise. She has operated in corporate finance as both a regulator and now an executive. She was the former Chief Accountant at the Securities and Exchange Commission's Division of Investment Management, and now she is the first female CFO at Fundrise. In this episode, we get into her transition from the SEC to fintech and how just being open to opportunities and leveraging mentorship has helped her to become one of the few women in fintech who sit in the CFO seat. I am so thrilled for you to hear Allison's story and to learn more about her. And I think she's going to help inspire anyone out there listening to understand that this industry is for them too. Enjoy this episode with Allison. Allison, welcome to Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited to have you on the show and dive into your very, very interesting background. I feel like the title of this podcast is already going to be like from the SCC to Fintech, <laughs> but we're going to get into all of that. Welcome. Thank you, Nicole. I'm um, super, super excited to be here. Yeah, I think that's kind of a constant. It's, it's a unique background. Um, I know we'll dive into it, but it's kind of been a, a more tortured path to fintech than others. I didn't start out in tech. Um, I didn't even really start out in finance. But yeah, recently joined Fundrise as CFO um, about 18, 20 months ago, and just getting started in the fintech world. Really excited to be here with you today to talk about the fintech world. Yeah. And I mean, a badass position to be in when you first get started into the fintech world. And I think it's a story that is so important, especially for people that are curious about fintech, because there is I get a lot of DMs on social media and from people that especially women who are interested in joining fintech and maybe they're, you know, they don't necessarily have a finance or a tech background, but they just are like obsessed with fintech's mission and they don't know how to get into the industry. And I'm like, you just like find the company you like and apply for the job. And like, you don't need to have a background in, in finance or tech to, or have any previous fintech experience to join fintech. So that's kind of one of the um, <laughs> beauties of the industry. I digress. To start, you were originally interested in the medical field, didn't pursue that, went into accounting. And that's kind of how we landed into the SEC. So care to just give us a little color on that that backstory? So I, I started out in college seeking a career in medicine, but I think it kind of felt stagnant to me at the time. I wanted a career in an industry that was kind of evolving and growing and, and medicine in the 2000s was not yet that. I think it's obviously come a long way since then. I, maybe I called my shot too early, but I pivoted from pre-med when I wasn't feeling excited about the prospects or the content. And I took an accounting class that that kind of like blew me away, like, like why is this so easy? <laughs> and, and ended up going to grad school and took a job thinking, okay, this will build a base, but I'll pivot again to consulting where I might find something more exciting, but kind of based on this foundation of something that came more easily to me. So I started my career at KPMG. I ended up loving how quickly that role changed all of the time. Um, I loved the people and the clients that I worked with, and I was learning something new every single day. So much so that I, I ended up spending 10 years there. Um, I worked in a lot of different industries over, over that 10 years from 
auto manufacturing to insurance to banking to nonprofit to real estate to <laughs> semiconductor manufacturing. I mean, you name it. But by the end, I was providing professional audit services to clients primarily within the investment management industry. And those were mostly SEC registered investment companies. And so, you know, over that like end period of time at KPMG, I really got my first taste for how complex and how interesting to me the regulatory space felt um, and kind of set me up for my next career jump to the SEC. What was it about like regulation? It's, you know, maybe not always on the, the dream path for most little girls, but we would love for it to be right. So feel free to share a little bit about like what was it maybe about the regulatory space that you did end up finding this like fascination and passion for? Yeah, I I think it's so complex um, that, you know, there's kind of endless amounts of things that you can learn about how different people operate within the regulatory space. And so for me, it was learning about how different operators did that, right? And how they, you know, both complied with regulations, but also found ways to innovate within the regulatory environment, especially as the regulatory environment is kind of constantly changing. And so, you know, you're monitoring that for both opportunities and challenges, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so to me, I hear a lot of like the people element, right? So it's not only a fun challenge for yourself, right? But also seeing the environment around you. How are people adopting or adapting rather, you know, to this, well, fast, but sometimes not fast, moving <laughs> a regulatory <laughs> environment. And, you know, I think that that is a, an element that could be told more is that there is this like people centric story to being, you know, at in the regulatory space. And it doesn't have to feel so dry, I guess. I think when someone thinks of regulation, they're just like, laws and it's like big books come to mind. Am I thinking like, it's like, what does even come to mind when you think of (laughs) regulation? How was it for you? Like for you in environment wise, you know, were you often like one of the only women or just kind of lay out some of the picture for us of what that was like? At the SEC specifically? Mm -hmm. I think um, shockingly, no, I, I wasn't one of the only women at the SEC. There's a lot of women that end up working there. I think, you know, it's obviously working in, in government, but there's a lot of really interesting challenges that you encounter working at the SEC. But there is some also good work-life balance aspect to it that I think is compelling to women at certain stages in life. And so I often found a lot of really strong, amazing, intelligent women um, who had ended up going to the SEC at that point in time um, and then kind of sticking around as a result. So lots and lots of women, lots of lawyers, um, is probably that's expected, (laughs) Um, mostly lawyers. I was actually shocked when I first started there that I was one of very few accountants at the commission. I I think looking at it from the outside, I expected there to be more accountants, but it's in fact a a pretty small percentage of the team there. And I think that there are people who worked there who like were just so deeply embedded in the regulatory regime that joining the SEC, I felt a lot of fear at first um, because I didn't know all of the regulations as well as they did. And, you know, I I was lucky to kind of find my way for a few different reasons while I, while I was there to recognize that like, you don't, you know, number one, not knowing something doesn't mean that someone who does know it um, knows how it should be executed and how it should be executed today. I think as you kind of alluded to regulatory 
changes happen actually very, very slowly. And, and I think that's purposeful and intentional. Regulators need to be speaking with industry constantly to, to learn enough to be able to create regulations that make sense. But that to me was what was so intriguing about it was that, you know, people could really know the rules and know the regulations, but not fully understand how it actually impacted industry. And so like bridging that gap was really fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, and that outsider knowledge too, right? So you, I love that you, you know, admitted that there was fear there. Honestly, I feel like I, that would scare me. Um, joining, being new to, you know, anything, especially in the regulatory space, right? It feels nearly like life or death, right? Oh my gosh, if I make a mistake, if I, you know, these are policies, these are laws, these are people's livelihoods at, at stake. So high stakes, right? But I, I asked because I think that there should be, you know, just a bit more understanding, especially with anyone listening here, that there. You know, you were in an environment where there were plenty of women. There was, you know, a space for you, or, or you and you felt that. And even in a way that you were like, OK, I'm maybe one of the few accountants and I'm like nervous about not knowing as much as, say, you know, people that with law backgrounds or this or that. You know, I, I realized that there wasn't one pathway to understanding how innovation works or one pathway to understand how regulation works or, you know, so there's and I, that's really important. I think message wise is to understand that, you know, you don't really need to have these certain sets of things to be successful in these areas. Right. Part of, uh, you know, expanding into any new job or industry is learning about it. And I think it takes both like the internal confidence to know that it's okay that you don't know everything right off the bat, um, or the sense of curiosity to want to learn about it. And then probably the kind of like the psychological safety from the culture or your boss or the people around you to know that you can take some time to learn and apply it to, you know, the unique perspectives that you have from a different background. Yeah. And how long were you at the SEC? I was there for a little over five years. Okay, nice. And then now we jump into fintech as CFO. Really, really cool, by the way. Circling back to the top, right? There is only a very, very small percentage of women in the C-suite roles, especially as CFO, as uh, also roles like chief innovation officer. I mean, CEOs themselves are less than 6% of women in fintech. So yeah. Um, so you sitting in your seat is a big deal um, for our industry. Tell us, fill the gap between SEC and how we now land into CFO role at Fundrise. It's definitely an unexpected, both for me and, you know, probably for those in my network, unexpected step for me. So I'm at Fundrise. I'm the first female and effectively the first outsider executive team member. Our C-suite are kind of all founders or really longstanding members. And of course, I came solely from a regulator or gatekeeper background. So I'd, I'd never actually done the work of management. I'd only kind of evaluated it from a distance. And I'd never worked in tech. But I was excited about building something that wasn't going to be stagnant, that was going to constantly change and evolve and, of course, bring fun and different challenges to my work. But, you know, when I was sitting there, I, I think it's important to recognize as, as an auditor, as a regulator... You spend a lot of time sitting at tables across from companies telling you a story about who they are. Um, and lately, they're often telling you what kind of tech company they are or what kind of mission they have or both, because it's almost impossible to be kind of successfully building something new and not be focused on, on one or the other or both. And so in those roles, I heard so many different stories, some amazing, um, but many disappointing 
where, you know, the purpose of the tech wasn't all that impressive or it appeared to be pretty narrow minded or focused. The actual technology was, you know, not much more than a website overlay on an existing product or structure offering or the founder's intention was really just to, you know, make loads of money for themselves. So I, I we see that a, a lot, obviously. Right. And so I was honestly inclined to stay on my side of the table. I thought I would return to the audit profession, one that I have a, a deep respect for and continue my journey of kind of supporting the capital markets process from more of a policing perspective. But then I met our founder, Ben. I heard the story of Fundrise, why it was built, what had been built, what it was trying to achieve, and kind of digging in over a few months, learning that it was all true. The team did want to align their incentives with investors. The tech they built was deep and smart and um, intentionally still evolving And the mission to build a better financial system is, in fact, what they're trying to do. And so all of that kind of taking old industries and pivoting, changing, evolving to serve stakeholders in a better way was just kind of like far too compelling of an opportunity for me to pass up. Absolutely. And yeah, how interesting to sit on the other side. But you also have it's what a validation also, you know, for the fintech company you chose, right, to be in part of their leadership, because, as you said, you saw what phony basically it looks like right or someone just wanting to make a lot of money and you know it's a huge uh, reason that I want to you know open up these stories because I I want people to see that there are people out there that are focused on actually helping people and profits because you can have both and they don't need to be you know binary paths um but you know you do have to do the digging and the work and to find out if that's you know the case and i think that you know anyone looking for their next job or their next opportunity like you have you know that you kind of always had that in the back of your mind and you did your like vetting but you also had like some probably good vetting experience being a, a, a part of the SEC yeah i think that's i mean it didn't hurt <laughs> that fundrise is like kind of incredibly unique in its commitment both to being compliant and being innovative within what is a very complex and heavily regulated space in asset management. This was like really, really attractive to me when I first joined the company. And it's remained a reason that I feel really excited about being here and kind of deepens my sense of belonging at Fundrise. I feel like we're encouraged to think creatively about how regulations impacting our industry might allow us to change or enhance our business offerings for our investors. And I think that's like really, really exciting. And it, again, also helps that we're really good at complying with those regulations. And we take a really um, disciplined approach to being excellent at that. What came first, the interest in fintech or Fundrise? Like did Fundrise's like mission and and you seeing their work and meeting their founder, did that kind of convince you like, okay, fintech's cool? Or were you like, I want to get into fintech. I just don't know... Where yet? Yeah. No, it was definitely Fundrise. Like I said, I thought I would go back to audit and continue along that path because, you know, as an auditor, you actually get to see all of it, right? You, I did work on all of those different types of industries and you're getting to see how those companies operate and just kind of a fascinating part of being an auditor. And so I thought I could even do that in investment management broadly, in fintech broadly. And I hadn't seen anything, you know, recently that like, seemed really compelling to me. I think, you know, robo-advisors are really interesting, but they're selling someone else's product. So that business model wasn't like super fascinating to me. Um, I did a lot of 
work by no means an expert, but I did a lot of work on digital assets when I worked at the commission. And while I'm bullish on the technology, I think there's going to be really exciting things to come in that space. It definitely isn't an area of expertise for me. So um, I wasn't necessarily looking to branch into fintech. And then when I learned about what Fundrise is trying to do by providing access to private markets, um, to individuals, I was that mission was really engaging. And then, you know, the talent and the tech of the company really, really drew me in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was there anyone? So you've been doing this for a little over a year, right? Um, and is there anyone along the way that's like helped you feel, especially in the moments where maybe you felt like you wouldn't succeed, who has helped you along the way? My boss at the SEC, my first boss at the SEC, well, all of my bosses at the SEC were, were amazing. <laughs> I actually had very, I had four in <laughs> five years. That's different. <laughs> but my very first one, the one who hired me, you know, like I said, I when I started out there, I literally thought like, they're going to send me home. I don't know enough to be here in the first couple of months that, that I, I was there. Um, and he really, you know, gave me the confidence to feel comfortable asking questions, not stress about what I didn't know, um, be okay not knowing, and to use kind of that not knowing to approach our work with curiosity. And that helps me to learn so much while I was there and to be a better colleague overall. And, and I think it's that, you know, if you don't ask, or if you don't know, ask, if you don't understand it, ask, get to ground. Um, I think often it's possible that no one else knows why, or that they've forgotten, and it's actually time to evolve. And I think that was a big lesson that that I learned there that still serves me today that, you know, he kind of created an environment or a culture um, that made it comfortable for me to do that. And I think luckily our CEO at Fundrise, Ben, is maybe notorious for this. He's kind of like always asking questions or getting to bedrock, as he calls it. And so I think, <laughs> right, I think our culture really supports that. But again, requires you to have the confidence and the kind of like internal curiosity to go after mm. Yeah, well, and it takes a mentor. I know I've had to have, you know, other badass women in the space almost coach me into being open to really like owning my power, owning my story, owning that I can ask questions and, you know, be my and present my full authentic self and it not be a problem. Like I shouldn't be penalized for that. But I think especially as you know, when you're a woman in a male dominated space, you it's easy to have like scarcity mindset and think that you already are just lucky to be here. So I shouldn't start asking questions. I shouldn't question the status quo. Like there's absolutely reason this is being done this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you had some good mentors, which amazing. And we're going to throw extra kudos to the male mentors out there for elevating women. But was there anything else like in you? I mean, maybe it was like the environment you create around you too, that kind of how do you like build that confidence? Because I know like, I get a lot of questions about that too. I mean, I think I honestly, I still struggle with it, right? There, there are times where you go into a meeting and you think I'm supposed to be the one who knows this thing. And so I have to know that thing. And, and that's not always true for sure. Um, especially for me, you know, branching out from regulatory compliance, accounting into like a, a broader finance role. There's lots of things that I need to learn about and figure out and rely on others to help me, you know, fill, fill in the gaps there. So I think it has to be a conscious effort kind of every day, every meeting to think about like, it's okay to ask what might feel like a stupid question. Um, and I think the more you do it, the more like 
you know, the reactions you get from other people support it because you see that like, oh, that person didn't understand this either. <laughs> or like, oh, there's only one person on this call who did understand it. And, you know, she's the one that we should be talking to <laughs> and listen. Yeah, yeah. Just like almost being not afraid to be that person, right? As you said, the trickle effect that it can create, especially if you're in a position of you know, any kind of power or, or leadership. So, you know, you as CFO, if you start asking, you know, questions, then it, it does open up the gates to your, your colleagues and your peers to feel more comfortable. It's really cool. As you know, you think about kind of some of the changes that you do want to see in fintech, I want to ask you now you've been in the industry for right that little over a year as CFO. What about the space? Do you you know, kind of feel like needs, needs work, needs changing. And then we'll start there. Okay. I think it's super obvious, but we need more women with diverse backgrounds in the field. It's it's like so obvious whenever you actually get into the room, get into the building, go to the conference. We need more female leaders in fintech and more female entrepreneurs and, and founders, and even, you know, probably on the investor VC side as well. So I think that would be kind of the the biggest change that I think we need to see. Yeah, it's so funny. I think about it a lot in 2023 because the, well, I always think about it, but especially this year because there's a lot more doom and gloom headlines out there, right? Like there's more, oh, if I have to see a headline that's like fintech is dead, I'm just like, oh, please tell like all of the people out there that don't have a bank account, like tell all the people out there that don't have proper credit scores. Like, no, there is especially or even like to narrow it down to B2C. People will be like, oh, B2C fintech is like is dead. And I'm just like, hmm, says who? <laughs> like says <laughs> I was like, I think there's a lot of consumers out there that would probably think otherwise. But at the end of the day, you know, and on top of that, you really don't know how none of us know how the real potential of our industry until 50% of the population is using the technology or and is represented in the space. And we're never going to get there, right? It has, it's internal and external. Um, if we want to see half, like 50% of fintech users to be women, then we have to represent that because it's just like nonsensical you know, if you're not reflective of the population you're trying to serve, then it just you won't understand. That. How are you going to serve them? <laughs> yeah. So the other side of that question. So you, the change you want to see, how do you embody it daily? I mean, I think the biggest place I think I can make an impact is by building up women in the industry. And so at Fundrise, we're really focused on making sure I, I think I mentioned I'm, I'm the only female in our C-suite. So we're really focused on making sure that the next generation of leaders in our organization are diverse broadly and including from a female perspective. And so I think we take really great efforts to seek out women for open roles across the company um, and for me, including in, in finance and and especially in leadership again, so that we can kind of set up the, the next generation of leadership to look different. And I think we hope that this will also create an environment for women who want to learn about building a business to be inspired on a path to entrepreneurship in whatever form that takes and, you know, potentially be future founders of companies. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's such a like a flywheel, such a circle. Right. And it, you know, I've always thought it really does start right at the check writing level and exactly, you know, who are we funneling capital to so that we have more diversity in entrepreneurship, right? I can only imagine, honestly, I should Google the stacks. I always think about it, but like how many more people have entered, you know, the entrepreneur routes 
after the pandemic or like post 2020, um, just because, you know, it was that time period where you people reflected on what they were already doing, saw the cracks in the system and were like, nah, I can build this thing better. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Like in a way, I'm kind of one of those people. <laughs> um, but yeah. So like if we aren't working, you know, from that within, right, then and actively, actively working to make our workforce look different than I mean, before you even, I'd say like, even before you get to that stage, that's why I focus on trying to bring in women into leadership roles is you, you have to learn how to run a business like that. You have to find the inspiration for ideas and build up the confidence. So I think it's, I don't know, I'd be interested to know, like, where did you gain the confidence to go do that? Oh my gosh, definitely. It's the environment, like definitely fundamentally believe that, you know, the, if you don't shape the environment around you with intention, then whatever happens to be around you will be what fuels who you are. And so I have like a mentorship as well, right? I have a really just amazing kind of community of people around me that keep me grounded, especially in times when like some people on the internet don't say such nice things to me or make me feel like I don't belong here. You know, they're like, oh, you're a journalist. You're not like, what do you know about anything? And it's like uh, a whole lot. But anyways, <laughs> so that has helped me. And also just coming to the realization, so many women that I admire when I you know, was that I've, I've profiled, that I've reported on, that I've that I've even gotten to know um, more personally after I, you know, profiled them or report on them tell me time and time and again, you know, if unless I show up to the table as my most confident, authentic self and I need to, you know, dive into the well of I do know what I'm talking about, you know, when that imposter creeps in and I know my experience better than anybody else. And no one can tell me that that's different. No one can tell me that my experience isn't real. They try, right? <laughs> but that's like... And of course, it's a daily thing. It's like a daily affirmation I have to tell myself. Yeah. But I mean, your job is literally being curious about fintech and being curious about ways people got into fintech and how they're building it. So yeah, you have an incredibly unique perspective that, um, thank you. that people need to hear about. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I like to think that my education of the industry, while not an operator, is through empathy. And I can hardly think of a better way to get to know fintech and financial services than through empathy. Um, but yeah, so as we close out, I'm like, this is amazing. Should we, this is now therapy, fintech therapy. Um, <laughs> am I changing the name no, of the podcast? I, I was a psychology major in undergrad. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, like, I think it's fascinating how much more that comes into play. Like number one is a leader, yeah. but, but certainly like as the world is changing and remote work, like you have to be such a better manager when you're not sitting next to people every day. And then the way AI and other tech is just going to change the way we work. Right. Um, I think like, yeah, having empathy and kind of understanding the psychology of people is is like so much more important even than, you know. Yeah. Well, the technology does, you know, and that's what's cool about fintech and real tech in general, right? Because the technology is doing all of the, you know, automating, the changing, drawing more curiosity. So then it's like on us as humans to it actually opens up the door, right, for us as humans to understand people's mentalities and psychologies and behaviors better. It lets us get deeper and more holistic. And that's what's interesting about maturing technology is actually 
getting to deeper into the human side yeah, of it. Yeah, getting more into the human aspect of work. Yeah, exactly. Oh, humans of FinTech. Okay, we're going to keep the name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Allison. Um, anyways, okay, my final question for you would be, what is one piece of advice you would give listeners who are feeling like outsiders still? Yeah, so I mean, to outsiders, this is probably like broadly to anyone, but I think it applies to outsiders of FinTech. And that's everything I've been saying be confidently curious, ask questions, and then maybe like an added piece is remain flexible. So it's kind of thematically, I think I've been saying this, don't assume the approach that others have used or the standard structures or products that exist are best, or even that everyone else in the room fully understands why those structures exist. And just, you know, keep learning, keep using that knowledge then to evolve what you're doing and and what you're building. Yeah, 100%. You never know when you're going to be the one that actually presents like, the innovation or the solution. And you can only do that if you're insatiably curious and then, you know, come forward with that curiosity, with confidence, because you never know what kind of door that that opens up for you. Right. So I feel like I love that. Like I can think of so many conversations where I've just been sitting with people like trying to, okay, what is section 19 of the 1940 (laughs) act actually saying, you know, like, and you're like digging in and there's 10 of you and it takes that many to like figure out what the answer is. and, And somebody who like hasn't touched it at all is like, well, what if you did this? And you're like, yeah, actually, (laughs) what if you did? (laughs) What if we did do it like that? Yeah, right. And so and that doesn't happen unless you just say it. That's the other thing. That's my other uh, 2023 like um, mantra is like, just say it. Just say what you're trying to say. Stop. We do a dance, especially as women. We like dance around in business and it's like, no, 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 just say it. Um, (laughs) That is the we're going to call that the theme of this podcast Amazing. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining me. Awesome conversation and just excited for the audience to to get to know you more. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.